Good morning. Isn't this a great, wonderful morning? Well, let us all stand. We want to welcome you to God's house. Indeed, the psalmist says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord, and let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. We are here to give the Lord praise. We are here to acknowledge him. We are here to worship together. We know that something good is going to happen to somebody in the house today. How many of you believe that? Amen. 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 Those of you who are watching by the World Wide Web, I want you to trust Jesus. There is help on the way. Jesus is our helper. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and look to the Lord in prayer. Father, truly, this is a wonderful day. We thank thee for the opportunity to be in your house. As we have gathered in your house, we have come with a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of gratitude, a heart of praise. You said those who worship you must worship you in spirit and in truth. So we acknowledge your many benefits you have bestowed upon us. So we say thank you, O Lord. Thank you for another time in your house. We ask that you have your divine way. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come and take control. We ask for your fresh anointing, fresh touch. We pray that lives will be changed. We pray, God, that the unsaved will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We pray that backsliders will return to you. We pray, God, those who are bound, those who are in need of deliverance will be delivered, knowing that you were the same yesterday, today, and forever. Take full control of the rest of the service as we look to you. In Jesus' name, let God's people say, Amen. Let's turn over to the worship team. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath. Hallelujah. Can I get a wave offering in the sanctuary this morning? The wave offering says that I'm happy to be alive in the land of the living and in the house of the Lord. I can lift my hands and give him glory today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's so good to see you all. Thank God. Hallelujah. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. Come on, can you just utter that in the atmosphere? The Lord is good. Come on, the Lord is good. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. And he's been good to us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We praise you, God. We give you the praise, God. Oh. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. 
this morning you are good you are good you are good God you're faithful God you're altogether lovely God hallelujah you've been good to us hallelujah you've been our provider you've been our protector hallelujah hallelujah you've been our shield you've been our defense hallelujah you've been our hiding place God you are good you are good even when we haven't been God good God you have been good to us hallelujah we bless you this morning we bless you this morning I don't know about you but I came to give God glory I came to give him praise I came to give him honor Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I came to give him thanks. Thank you, God. You are good. Hallelujah. You are good. You
morning. Tell him what you think about him. Hallelujah. Tell him what you think about him. Thank you, Jesus. The am that I am, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of glory, 
the Lord God strong and mighty. The am that I am, the am that I am, the am that I am. The one who is and is and is to come. God, we honor you this morning. We acknowledge your presence in this place, God. this morning.
Hallelujah. 
come into this house today maybe you are overwhelmed you have been bombarded by so many problems one after the other it seems to feel as if no one cares but i want you to know that's a lie from the pit of hell jeet in first peter 5:7 says cast in all your cares upon him for he cares for you isn't that wonderful tell the person next to you he cares for you there is help there is hope come on there is hope we can shout there is hope there is help don't matter what the doctor says there is healing healing is a children's bread whose report will we believe whose report are you listening are you believing we shall we believe the report of the lord his report said i'm healed his report said i'm free his report said i'm rich his report said i'm strong hallelujah amen and i want us to have the right mindset as we go before the throne of grace you see the bible says enter into his gates with thanksgiving you don't need the worship team to crank you up you should have come here with a heart of thanksgiving amen even though the knees pain the belly aches even though the pocket is empty even though you don't know how you're going to pay the mortgage put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness come on shout a shout of victory in the house It's not you alone in the house. It's not you alone, bombarded, perplexed in despair. But if God be for you, who can be against you? You are a victor and not a victim. You are an overcomer and you will not be overcome. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Now if you want to sit, you understand, you want to walk, whatever you want to do, let's go to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. Can we take a moment? I want to give you a few moments as you call on the living God and our lead. Few seconds. Hallelujah. You know what you are what's your need. But the scripture says before we call he answer. And while we are yet speaking, he has promised to hear. Hallelujah. You are better so Lord. You said let us approach your throne of grace boldly not timidly but boldly hallelujah so that we will obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need lord we stand in your presence and we must confess that we are needy We need you. We need help. We need a divine intervention. Lord, we have this hope in us that you who have begun this good work in us, you are well able to finish it. You are not going to cause us to be overtaken by the enemy, but you have a great plan for us. A great plan of peace and not of evil, a great future and a great hope. So we look to you, O oh Lord. 
We look to you as the psalmist said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You are rock in a weary land. Hallelujah. To the geologist, you are the solid rock. To the baker, you are the living bread. Hallelujah. So we give you honor, glory, and praise. To the thirsty, you are the living waters. Hallelujah. So this morning, oh God, we lift to you and we bring to you every person within the song of my voice, those who are watching by the World Wide Web. We pray, God, that you would minister. I pray, oh Lord, for healing. Somebody is in need of a healing touch. The doctors, they do not have the answer, but you have the answer for you are the answer. You are the healing balm of Gilead. So we pray for healing in the name of Jesus. We pray, oh Lord, for those in financial need, those who have problems on the job, those who have many various diverse types of challenges. We know, God, that nothing is too hard for you to do. So we ask, Lord, that you would intervene. So we seek, Lord, your grace to help in this time of need. Touch every person here. You know, God, you know the need. You know the troubles. You know the heartbreak. Lord, you know everything. You not only know, but you care. And you are able in Jesus' name. We pray for unbelieving loved ones. Unbelievers as a whole. You are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Save our loved ones. Lord, give us the boldness that when the opportunity arises, that we'll open up our mouths and share the gospel and testify about the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, use us in various places that we'll even invite others to come into your house and hear the good news that Jesus saves, that there is a heaven, there is a hell, there is a way of hope and deliverance and help and healing in Jesus' name. Father, we bring to you, O oh God, Hallelujah. Every person, those who are listening, those who are watching, you know their needs, oh God. Intervene and cause the backsliders and the broken, Lord, and uh, Lord, the weak come to you and receive strength and hope and, and help in your precious name. We pray for this nation. We pray for healing. We pray for revival. We pray for Lord, for the leaders of this land, for wisdom and direction, we pray, God, for righteousness, hallelujah, in this nation that will return back to you, O oh God, as the scripture gives us the blueprint for revival in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. that we pray, seek your face and turn from all wicked ways in the name of Jesus so they can be revival. We pray, oh God, for the rest of the service that your anointing would, Lord, be upon uh, uh, your servant who will bring forth your word. Lord, signs and wonders will follow. There will be, the Lord, not just conviction, but I pray, oh God, someone would consecrate themselves afresh to you in Jesus' name. Someone will receive healing for your honor and for your glory. We pray, oh Lord, as the leaders or pastors, 
and the other leaders of this region. Lord, prepare for the youth camp that you'll give strength and help and, Lord, direction. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray for the speakers that they'll have a, a, a safe and successful camp where the young people would have an encounter with you. So we pray for changed lives in Jesus' name. Have your way, O oh God, as we continue in your rich presence. In Jesus' name, let God people, God's people say, Amen. Tell the person next to you, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. It is good to be in God's house on the Lord's day with God's wonderful people. No wonder you have heard it probably almost every Sunday as we are reminded. The psalmist says, I was glad. And you can look it up and you know it. Probably some of you don't know where you find it, but it's in Psalm 122 verse 1. It says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. How many of you are really glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. We look forward to being in the house of the Lord. But I want to encourage us. Let's continue to pray and invite others to be a part of this great time of worship in the presence of the Lord. Well, at this time, we want to... Uh, welcome our first time guests. If you are visiting with us for the very first time, we want to acknowledge you. We do not want you, we are not going to ask you to speak. All we want to do is to acknowledge you. If there's anyone visiting for the first time, please stand. For the first time, remain standing now. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, let's do it together again as we welcome them to the Living Word Open Bible Church. Thank you for coming. Please take your seats. You have received a welcome packet. You'll find in that uh, a connection card. This is the best time in the service for you to fill it out completely. And later on in the service, when we receive the offering, you'll place it in the offering bucket. At the end of the service, you'll get more instructions uh, as we have prepared to uh, have you in our hospitality suite where you will be treated as you meet some of our leaders, other leaders also. Thank you again for coming. What about, is there anyone, you are here back with us for the second or third time? Second or third time? All right, wonderful. Thanks. Very good. Thanks again. Let's put our hands for them and for everyone again. You have been coming week after week. Excellent. Thank you. You have come again, those of you who have been coming week after week. And I want to encourage you to uh, invite someone. All right. Um, as, as a matter of fact, if you have vis vis uh, inv in fact, invited one of these visitors, first-time visitors today, we'd like to acknowledge you. Someone you have invited, uh, okay, uh, please stand, so we'll see our sister is walking, please stand as we acknowledge her, okay, wonderful, all right, that's one out of about a couple over probably 100 plus, right, so we want to, next time if all of us could invite someone, guess what, we'll have probably not double, but we'll have much more 
than what we have today. So I want to encourage you, all right? It's not an option to share our faith. We have been mandated to share the gospel. Am I correct? Amen. So thank you again. Praise the Lord. Uh, there are a few announcements. Uh, uh, some of them, I'm sure, you'll be able to read, but I want to highlight a few of them. Our Southeast Region Youth Camp, it's tomorrow, believe it or not, uh, July the, the 9th, uh, straight to July the 13th. And the bus leaves at 5.30 a.m. That's really early for some, right? Okay, so you have to get here at 5.30. My mistake, but you need to get up early. So if you need to be here on time, the bus leaves at a certain time, and I don't think you have to say, Lord, I need some grace. All right? <laughs> so make every effort. And let's adults and us who, um, you know, who will be here, we want to remember them in prayer for, for safety and for success. All right? Do we believe that God is able to move mightily amongst the young people? And it's, I believe it's close to 200 youth attending the camp this year. This is one of the biggest youth camps in the region. All right? That we, the region ever had. So it's, uh, uh, I mean, our pastors and the other leaders, they have a great task. So we want to pray for wisdom and direction as they trust the Lord for a great time. And of course, our youth crusade is uh, from Tuesday, July the 17th, and it goes all the way to Friday the 20th. Um, but the Daniel has a special announcement. Let's welcome him as he comes. Good morning, church. This one has to be the final call for all those students. This is the final, final call for all students, all students who are part of the academic club. We must have your report card by this Tuesday. And I know you're going off to camp. So if you, go home, if you forgot it, go home. You can bring it right back and get it right to us right in the box. Because we do have a number of deadlines that we have to adhere to. Those of you who are brand new again, again, if you, if you are part of this church, it's your opportunity to, to go out for dinner with a pastor, with one parent, and we do go to Cheesecake Factory, which you guys do like, but in order for you to be, to get there, you have to get those report cards in and you have to make the grade. And then it's also your opportunity to get a trophy. If you score above a 3.0 GPA, you qualify for that trophy, but we need the time to be able to order the trophies. So in order for us to be able to order the trophies, we need the report cards in so we could do the tabulations. So if you have not dropped your report card in the box on the outside, please do so today. Parents, you need to insist that they get the report cards in. Otherwise, on the last Sunday of this month, when we have the awards and the award dinner the week before, your child, even if he or she was an excellent student, he or she would not be a part of the process. Do not see us after and say, my child did better than this one, and he or she should have gotten the trophy. No. If you did not turn in the report cards, you will not be a part of the process. We will send it for a very long time. All the report cards are supposed to be in every quarter. 
The box has been outside from since the school year began. Drop them in, and then you'll be fine. All right? I'm still your friend, but just do the right thing. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Daniel. Uh, there's one more I would like, one more announcement. Please remember, and this is a, a summer family picnic. It's on your bulletin. I just want to highlight it. It's already July, so we have less than one month. It's three weeks, right? And uh, so it's on August the 4th, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And the contribution is only $15. And you get a lot of food, a lot of refreshments. You can eat how much watermelon you want. All right? <laughs> um, a lot, lots of food, 12 years and older. Um, and uh, that's uh, $15, 12 years and older, and $6 under 12. I know some... Uh, some of the kids under 12, they can still give us a run for our money. But, um, <laughs> but $6 under 12. Join the fun and fellowship as they prepare some exciting times of uh, fun, games, uh, good time together as believers. Well, we want to prepare our hearts as we continue in worship, as we give to the Lord out of the abundance of our hearts. Remember that God loves a cheerful giver. And uh, off his, out of his own, we give back a portion of what he has blessed us with. Praise the Lord as we... You know, there's a missionary, Jim Elliott, once said that he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And... Uh, Let's give to the Lord um, out of the abundance of our hearts as we look to the Lord in prayer. Uh, as we ask Sister Roberts to lead us out in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for bringing us here. We thank you for sparing us. We thank you most of, it, most of all for getting us going, waking us up and bringing us here. We pray that as you brought us, Father, that you have something special. As we are about to give, Lord, we pray that you refill, you replenish where we take it from. And we do it in abundance of your love. Thank you, Father, and use whatever we give. Those who do not have to give, Father God, may you take care of them. You are the, the Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. We ask for your blessings in abundance and help us to use this in furthering of your kingdom. In Jesus' precious name we pray.
put your hands together for the musician. And also we want to put our hands together for the worship team. Then they do a great job. Amen. Do you know that they come weekly and they rehearse? It's not just uh, turn up on Sunday morning and sing and play. You can't do so skillfully. Amen. So they spend a lot of time and we want to continue to pray for them and support them. Put your hands again together for them as we encourage them. May God bless you. Well, the next voice you'll hear is from our Pastor Diary Francis, a message from the Lord. Let's put our hands together and welcome the woman of God. Good morning, church. And I don't think I need this. <laughs> Unless I'm going to throw my shawl but I don't throw shawls. I just talk. Anyway, just before I speak, there are two other announcements I'm asked to remind you of. And one of them is Jamaica's 56th anniversary of independence celebration that will be on Sunday, August 5th. There are these yellow sheets at the welcome desk. You could take one to remind yourself. And it's going to be just across the street at Cooper City Church of God. Our pastor is the guest speaker this year. You may want to go and smile at him and encourage, you know. But let's go, even if you're not a Jamaican, we invite you to come. And let's pray and give thanks. It's always a wonderful service. The second one is that um, New Season Worship Center. That's Reverend Steve Buchanan. They're having a night of worship on Friday, August 3rd. The picnic is the 4th. Mark that. So if you go, remember the picnic the next day. And um, they're having Myron Butler. He's a Grammy Award-winning artist and worship leader. So they're having this night of worship, and the tickets will be at the book table. So please support. We always like to support. Build up yourself. Amen? All right. It's good to see all of you. You can smile. Did you know God laughs? He does. And when we smile, we release good chemicals. It does good to our heart to our whole being. So it's okay to smile. Tell your neighbor it's okay to smile. Amen. 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 And today, I want to talk to you a little bit about overcoming or overcome spiritual anemia or apostasy. And I'm going to ask um, Brother Andrew if you just put up the first the slide for me. But while he's doing that, let's just bow our heads and let's ask God to speak to our heart. But not only speak to our heart, but to give us ears that will hear. Ask him to release faith in your heart that the word will be mixed with faith. That it will do good to you. I do the same thing for myself because the word speaks to all of us. So let's agree together. Our Father, we give you thanks for the privilege of coming together. Because you commanded us that we should not forsake the assembling of each other together. But when we come, Lord, we should stir up each other unto good works while it is yet time. For we know the day is coming when no one can work anymore. We give an account on that day. And so today, Father, you have sent your word through this vessel of clay. I ask, O oh Lord that you'd release faith to be mixed 
in the hearing of your word. May your word do good to our hearts. Those who are watching by the World Wide Web, those who are in the audience here today, may we not be hearers of the word only, O oh God, but may we be doers of the word. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk a little bit about overcome spiritual anemia or apostasy. And some of you may be wondering, what's that? What's spiritual anemia? Well, I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever gone to the doctor, especially younger days, and the doctor said you're anemic? Just pause a moment. And he recommended certain foods that you needed to eat. Or in some cases, he may order iron tablet. And then there was a special way of taking it or as it doesn't work. Like if you drink it with milk, and those of you are drinking it with milk with your cereal stuff, it doesn't get absorbed. That's why when you go back, your iron is still low. So when we have anemia, we have to do something about it because it can be so severe that it is life-threatening. And in the same way in the natural, that we have physical anemia, we can also suffer from spiritual anemia. It does worse. Because you can't just swallow a pill to get over that. It needs a little bit more. So today, we're going to journey through this scripture. I have no jokes for you. I have no stories for you. We're just going to do the word. Because as our pastor says, the word is life and it is medicine. Say, so if we have anemia, we don't need a joke. What do we need? Medicine. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, what we're going to look at a little bit, we're going to do a little bit of a journey. The journey of the church. Don't get nervous if you don't like history. I'm not going to go deep into history. I love history, but I won't do that to you. But we're going to look a little bit at, from the beginning, God's promises. What did God intend the church to be? Where are we now? What's causing our spiritual drain, our anemia, our apostasy for some people? It's worse than anemia. And what can we do about it? We're going to look at those things. So first of all, let's look at the promise. See, the church is not man's idea. Can you touch your neighbor and say, hey, did you know the church is not man's idea? No, it's not. It's not some little guy down the street who decided, I want to, like some people think, collect some offering or something like that. The church is God's idea. The church was in the womb of God before the earth was even created. So if we go back all the way, and you won't see that, um, that, that, let's see, am I doing the right direction? Hello from the, okay, great, it worked. So if you go back to Genesis 3.15, you see the first hint that something is going to happen. Because here God created man perfectly. And most of you, if you've been to Sunday school, you've read the story. He created a man and a woman perfectly, put them in a garden, a perfect environment. They didn't even have to sweat. And then she, got to tell the truth. That's what the word says. She did it. 
and got him involved. Now you have to see me privately. I'll tell you the other side of the story. <laughs> but since I may be taped, <laughs> you got to see me privately. Suffice it to say, I think he wanted some. <laughs> he could have stopped her. But never mind, that's not the subject of discussion. She's the one who initiated the messing up. So here's God with this perfect environment, perfectly created people. And what did they do? All the excuse that we find today for not doing the right thing, they had no excuse. Everything was perfect. But she messed up, and he followed her, and messed up too. And so we are messed up as a result. Because our spiritual DNA come from them. Out of two people, God created the entire earth. Believe it or not. Look at your neighbor and say, you look different from my brother. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I said I didn't have any joke. I don't have any joke. You're laughing. All right. So way back then in Genesis 3.15, when there was this cosmic incident that would change the entire course of the world, not just spiritually, but physically. So now men have to work. The man didn't initiate it, but he was the one that God said needed to go out there and sweat. Girls, he could always throw that at them. <laughs> she sinned, but he has to sweat. How about that? All right, you're asleep. So the devil's part, God told the serpent, who was representing the devil, he said, the seed of the woman, the seed of the woman, the very one that messed up, because sometimes people mess up and we write them off. But God is not like that. So here is a woman who initiated the messing up. But God said, her seed, not the man's seed, the seed of the woman will bruise your head. And some translation says will crush your head. Now you know if your head is crushed, you're dead, right? And you will strike his heel. And by this, those of you who have been studying the scriptures or you've been going to church, you understand that this is Jesus, the seed of the woman. And indeed, the enemy and all of hell, the host of hell came out to crucify him. But it was part of God's plan. But they didn't know there was a third day. They didn't know that. Come on, folks. It's reason to rejoice. That's why we're here, because of the third day, the resurrection. If he was still in the grave, we wouldn't need to be here. But because he lives, we also will live. But anyway, so from way back then. But then also in Genesis 28, as you will see, and I hope you will use your bulletin, the inside part that you could jot down scriptures that after breakfast you could read it. And in Genesis 28 and verse 14, and three times there in Genesis, God promises that Abram's seed would bless the whole earth. It would bless the families of the earth. It would bless the nations of the earth. It would just bless the entire earth. The seed, not seeds. That seed again was referring to Jesus. And we see as we go through the scripture, it's tied up. Um, the prophets talk about it all the way up. They preach about it in Acts and so forth. And then God goes further. God did something that has never been heard of before. No one ever heard of a virgin conceiving. He says, 
I'm going to let the virgin conceive. And she's going to bring forth a son. And this son won't be from a man's DNA because it's the seed of the woman. So the Holy Ghost is going to cause this to happen. And most of you remember the Christmas story. The virgin will conceive and she's going to bear a son. And what will be his name, folks? It's up there if you don't know it. His name shall be Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. And we have God with us here. Jesus, the spirit of Jesus is with us. So that's one of the promises. And then he goes on in uh, Luke 24. Now Jesus came. And you remember the story when the angel went to Mary. And what did the angel say? You're going to have a child. And she said, you must be kidding. I'm a virgin. He says, the Holy Ghost is going to come on you. What was never heard of before. God, the spirit, was going to bring about conception. So the man wasn't in it. He was just surrogate. It was the seed of the woman. That which would be discarded, God took and used to do something that will revolutionize the world. So first she messed up. And now God is going to take that broken piece and use it to revolutionize the world. That's why we are here, because she was a Jew. And anybody who wasn't a Jew was called a, no, that's nice, a dog. And yet God has brought us together through the seed of the woman. So Jesus was ministering to the disciples, to the crowds. And he told the disciples, he made a promise. He says, behold, he says, I can't even read it. Let me see if I can read this better because it's so fine. Let's see. Yeah, he, he says, I send the promise, thank you, of my father upon you. But you have to tarry in Jerusalem. So we're going somewhere. So these are promises about the church. The church wasn't started yet. He was setting up the framework. He had his, what they would call church planters call his cohort group. He talked to the whole multitude. There were thousands, but among those thousands, there were some hundreds. Then there were 72. Then there were 12. And then there were three. So you're always here. And Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. And then the other times, the twelve were with him. And then one time you read, and he sent out 72. So sometimes we're like, it's not favoritism. Why, why those three always get to go? Folks, I hate to tell you. God has a special work for each one. God doesn't show favoritism. God calls and he assigns so we don't have to be jealous of anybody. You get it? He had gifted them specifically and he's working with them because he's going to go back. And these guys have the responsibility to continue this work. And what an awesome thing. This was in Jerusalem. There was no internet. No telephone. 
No typewriter. And 2,000 years later, you and I are here. Isn't that awesome? The message got to us. There is no airplane. You have to think about it. You got to get yourself into the script, into the narrative. There was none of that. Yet God protected this word. And from those little bit of people with no airplane, no internet, no telephone, no typewriter, no post office, he sent it to us. And we are alive, transformed. We can sit here today and we have a purpose. Then just before he ascended, before he ascended, he had been crucified, he rose again, he was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses. This is not a Christian fable. He ate with them several times. He come through the wall, which is what we're going to get to do when we get our new bodies. You want to know what it's like? We know each other, but we, we don't have to turn key anymore. We just go through the wall. And we don't have any hurt or bruises. And if we want to be in New York or Canada, we just zoom up there, take some mangoes with us. <laughs> oh, you don't think you'll be eating? The scripture says in Revelation, there are 12 different trees. Every month, a new one comes. It's for the healing of the nation. Are you going to get it? You have to eat it, right? Or drink it, boil tea. Come on, folks, wake up. Get in this, get, get an understanding. They eat. You just don't have any blood anymore. That's what gets bad and we rot. We have a new body. Jesus, the same thing that Jesus had. So now he rose from the dead. He was seen many times. He ate with them. He talked with them. He explained to them the connection because they didn't get it at first. They were scared. They were locked away. I wanted to get it. They were scared. They were like us. Even though they had been with God. For three years, day and night, they saw the miracles. When trouble come, they run and hide. Hello, listen to me now. Because some people have the spiritual anemia and some already back out. But they come into church. How do I know? You don't show up a prayer meeting. You don't show up a Bible study. When church over, you just jump in your car and say, that's up. You do nothing. See, he's called us to more than that. It's reality, folks. I don't say it. I'm just giving the scriptures today. Remember, I didn't bring any stories. So this is what he told them. He says, I'm going to go. They knew that before, but he was reinforcing. And he said, in Acts 1, verse 5, and also in verse 8, he says, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He says, he says, you will receive power. And when you receive the power, what are you supposed to do with it? Read for me. Come on, folks. This is interactive. What happens when you receive power? You shall be witnesses. Witnesses to me. So, all you have to do is to reflect. Because I have to do that too. So, the scripture is a mirror. And I know every single one of us, pastor like to pick on the ladies how many times we look in the mirror, but he's not here today. So gentlemen, I know you look in the mirror just as much as we do. 
And before you came out the car, you look. And some of you went to the men's room and you look. So girls aren't the only one who look in the mirror. All of us look in the mirror. So the word is a mirror. So now you get to look in the word. The word is your mirror. Remember, that's what we're doing. So we don't want to close our heart because it says so in James. It says the word is a mirror. When we hear it, we have to look at ourselves in the light of what the word is saying. And then it says, you don't want to be like the guy who see that he has stuffed his breakfast is still on the corner of his mouth. And he just walk away. No, when you see something wrong, you blouse turn wrong side. Let us happen. The mirror shows you what you look like, so you go and fix it. And this is what we want to do today. We want to be active, we want to be engaged, and we want to act upon the word of God. So he says you're going to tarry, wait, 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 wait in Jerusalem. Not many days from now. And then you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That has never happened before. The Spirit of God only fell on select people back then. It fell on the prophet, the one that has been selected to prophesy, to tell the people about God. It went on the priest, who was going to be the one that represented the people before God. And it was also poured on the king for the time when he was in power. When he come out, it's gone. Now, a guy prophesied 800 years before it happened, and he said, the days are going to come. Sorry. Is somebody doing this or stopping the thing? <laughs> I think I'm jumping a, a little bit ahead, ahead of my t myself. But we talk about the conception. Okay. Let's do this part. What, we, what we're saying here the whole idea of the church is not man's idea. So we have these promises. We just went through them. From way back to what Jesus said before he left. Then we saw that there is also a partnership. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit were working together. It's not just Jesus decide about his church or God the Father. And so if you look at some of these things, Jesus was the one that God assigned to be a to do the main part of the church thing. But they work together. Just like a church. Sister Lauren gets to lead the worship team. But they all work together. You see sometimes she shoot the mic to Miss Danielle. Sometimes it goes to Miss Larry. They all work together. But she has a responsibility. If something goes wrong. Pastor calls her. Or he calls Michelle English Brown. Whatever Brown English. She hates the English part. But not my fault. Anyway. So Jesus was the one that God assigned to do this church thing. But the whole Trinity worked together. So they were present at the birth. We talk about Mary being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so she, was, she conceived that way. Then the scripture says of him, the word became flesh. He was always. The word means the logos of God. He was always with the Father. But now... God couldn't trust people to do this. So God himself come down. You ever have something to do so important? And there are a lot of people who say, let them do it for you. But you say, no, this one is too big. God came down himself in the form of Jesus. I want you to pause a little bit and picture this. Because this is really deep. This is big. God. God. 
who created the heavens and the earth. God who holds the planet that it doesn't get out of the galaxy, out of orbit. Because we take it for granted. The earth is always spinning. Even while you're sitting there, it's spinning. But it's so smooth, you don't even feel it. God came down to set up the church. To pick the people to start it. That he's going to leave to continue it because he's only here for a time. So the son of God was born like you and me. He laid aside his glory, his power, his majesty to become like us, to help us. Come on, folks. This is cause for rejoicing. God, no other God that you read about, hear about in the universe has ever done that or would ever do that. Only Jehovah God. All of them are high above their people. People cut themselves to please them. People kill their children to please them, this, that God. Not this God that we serve. This is such an awesome God, so full of love. He came down himself in Jesus. He became the embodiment or the incarnation of the Father. But he didn't do it alone. They were there with him. The Spirit of God was there in the conception. At his baptism, John heard the the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then we see for service. As Jesus prepared, he, he was baptized. The spirit of God led him in the wilderness to strengthen him because of what was coming. The testing of the devil, the crucifixion, those major events of his life. And then at his crucifixion, they were all there. And because God loved us so much, and the weight of our sin was so much, at one point, Jesus even felt all alone. And we feel that way sometimes. Sometimes we feel very close to God, and sometimes things happen. And we feel like, God, where are you? I want to tell you that even if you don't see him, and you don't feel him, He's always there. He's always there in your suffering. He's always there in your sadness. He's always there when we're bad too. He promises never to leave us nor forsake us. As in Hebrews 13 and verse 6. He said, I'll be with you always. So the Trinity was together working. And even the very soldiers who were heathen. Pagan, Gentiles, when they saw the show that God put on, when Jesus died, the heavens opened, earthquake, darkness in the middle of the day, the temple curtain tore. And folks, what's important to understand with this, it didn't tear from the bottom. You could explain that. It tore from the top. You ever hear curtain tear from top? Come on, come on, think with me. Wake up, folks, wake up. God put on such a show to show these wicked people how special his son was. He shut things down. The very soldiers remarked, truly, this was the son of God. Sinners could notice that. He was there. But you can imagine how Jesus felt. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He, it 
felt that way at the time. But he was never forsaken. So the church isn't man's idea. The church was always in the womb of God. From the beginning. And God is a time. God has a time for you. God has a time for me. Things may be happening in your life and you wonder, God, how long? How long? He has a time. He has a time. He just doesn't work off our calendar. As a matter of fact, he doesn't need one. He doesn't use one. All of time is one for God. For us humans, we can't even conceive of that. So we check the dates. We put our thing to alarm to remind us. Not God. Everything that will be and is, God already knows. And everything has a time and a purpose. So the church is Christ's body. It's not just an organization. It's not even an organization. It is a living organism. You and I are cells of a living body. I want you to pinch yourself a little and see if it hurt. I know you're not going to hurt yourself. Pinch yourself. Don't do it that it cut. But so you feel it. Don't pinch somebody else. <laughs> You'll pinch them harder than you do yourself. <laughs> but you feel it, right? Because our bodies are made up of trillions of cells. And they're interconnected. Have you ever thought why your little toe hit on something in the dark. It's so little. Why does it hurt so much your big body? Because it's all interconnected. We too are living organisms. You may feel like I'm going to church. No, you're the church. You're a cell. You're part of an organ. You're a part, and that organ is part of the whole body. And, and Jesus said, this is what he said. Read with me. He said, upon this rock, the declaration, the rock was a declaration that he's the son of God. He says, I will build my church. Who will build it? Who's I? That's, you're not building no church. Who is building it? Jesus. The subject there is Jesus. He was speaking, so he said, I. But we're reading it. It is Jesus. He will build his church and what? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The devil will try. The devil will try. You know that. You come in nice, nice to worship. Somebody look at you funny at the door. And all of a sudden you lost your sanctification. Who did that? The devil. You drive up. You don't even reach your door yet. The parking lot attendant tell you, you can't park here. And they're like, why? <laughs> I see space. <laughs> you lose it. The devil is right there waiting to divert, to take away our peace. But we can't let him. Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Touch yourself and say, that's me. I'm the church. You can stay there down and say, I'm the church. I am the church. And I love that promise. The gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. So, not only is he the builder of the church, not only is the church God's idea, not some guy who used to set up some stuff down the road because he don't like correction where he was, or he think it's lucrative, 
But the scripture says in Colossians 1.18 that who is the head of the church? Come on, guys. Listen, can I tell you a little secret? The Lord watching on her, answer, don't answer. He watching on you, put your face and say, well, she don't just go on with it. In Revelation, let me tell you, because you don't know the scriptures. It says he has a book. And he writes down every time you talk about him. So when you get your friend, you say, oh man, isn't Jesus good? Boom, in the book. Journal entry. You go, oh, I want to sing this song of prayer. Oh, I feel so good. So what's wrong with you, girl? You got to raise. No, I just love my Jesus. Boom, journal entry. Don't be deceived by the devil, folks. You come to church to worship. Who is the head of the church? Christ. It's not your pastor. Your pastor is a, 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 a appointed to shepherd it for Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. It's his church and the church is his body. Can you say that? I'm the body of Jesus. No, it has implications. If I'm the body of Jesus, the holy God, it has implications about how I live. Hello? Would you like people mess with your body? Just come and do whatever with your body? Neither does Jesus because he's holy. And he's the head. And you ever see a head over there and a body over there? Unless some really bad accident and they try to cover that up fast. But that doesn't happen in life, right? Head and body stay together. And the little that I remember of the anatomy and physiology, the brain sends out the stimulus for everything. Everything. And if the brain is not working, forget it. That's why when you have a stroke, a bad stroke, you can't even move. Oh, you could move when you can't talk. And you're intelligent. You could have a million degrees. But that part of your brain got damaged. You can't communicate. You could even hear what they're saying. But you can't speak. Or you can speak. And we call it word salad. It don't make sense. You're just talking. Don't make sense. Because that part of your brain is damaged. But Jesus doesn't have any damage. He's the head of the church. And we are his body. So when the head speaks. The body is supposed to flow with the head. You get what I'm saying? So we have a problem when we decide that I am my own free person. Nobody will tell me what to do. Especially when we come from a certain little island. We're famous for that. Nobody tell me what to do. I just go to another church. Well, guess whose church you're going to? Jesus' church. Guess who you're going to run into? Jesus the head. And what do you think he's going to do about your action? He's going to administer some discipline. So when you go there, you think you jump out a frying pan. You jump right into the Thank you for preaching. Amen. Right in the fire. And then you have to come to the conclusion. The problem is not your location, but the problem is who? When I was in nursing school, they had a ritual. The last speech the director of nursing comes and gives you before you leave. 
and they all had a British accent. Whether they went to Britain or not, somehow they liked the British accent. <laughs> Every one of them had a British accent. We'd sit there and snicker, but you can't let it show, you know. <laughs> you know you're graduating, you better graduate. But I remember this speech. It's a long time ago. I'll never forget it. And she said, if you go to a place and everywhere you go there's a problem, you are the common factor. It's not your job. It's not your colleagues. It's not your church. It's you. So you could move all around. When you end up at the next place, you're going to find the same situation because who is there? No, 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 not me. Touch yourself. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> you have to watch those pronouns, you know. I'm an English major, okay? <laughs> watch the pronouns. No, you have to say, because I am there. Yes. I'm the common factor. Same thing when you come to church. If you have a problem with everybody, they look at you funny and nobody nice to you. Sister and brethren, you are the problem. <laughs> And if you don't do something about it, it's going to continue. And you could run all you want. You run with yourself. I tell you this with love. We are the body of Jesus. And Ephesians 5 and verse 23 reinforces that. And for the men here today, and I know there are lots more ladies, this is very, very interesting, this verse. This verse is sandwiched. And you can look it for yourself. I wouldn't lie to you. You could open your Bible and look. Look at the verse before and the verse after. That verse saying, let's read it together, ladies and gentlemen. Christ is the head of the church and he's the savior of the body. If you open your Bible and look where it is, it is sandwiched between a verse that says, men ought to treat their wives kindly and after as they treat themselves, just like how Christ treat the church and he's the head of the church. Can you believe that verse is found in the context of telling men how to take care of their wives? Before and after. No escape, guys. If you skip the first verse, it follows that. It is very surprising when you read it. Because can you imagine God values marriage that much that he says the same way he treats the church He's the head of the church, and he treats the church so ought men to love their wives and to cherish them, just like Christ does the church. How does he treat the church? He doesn't bully the church, right? You agree with me? Isn't that why we just leave and don't say goodbye and tell the pastor we're leaving? We just walk out? If Christ bullied us, he'd stop us at the door with a big stick, right? That doesn't happen. We just miss you, and then when we call, I'm not coming there anymore. <laughs> okay. But if, if Christ bullied the church, like some people bullied their spouses, they would have a big stick. He'd have a big stick waiting, but he doesn't do that. And then what God wants us to do, because he invites us to be with him in this church, Jesus being the head, and each of us, and he doesn't differentiate between children or young people, all have the same heart, same spirit. One, he invites us, it says, let's read uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 9. It says we are God's fellow workers. And Paul says, you are God's field. You are God's building. It's amazing how he sees us. 
And then in, in 1 Corinthians 6, it tells us we're the temple of the living God. It says, don't you know you're the temple of the living God and the spirit of God lives in you? So if the spirit of God lives in us, how, how can we just act anyway as if we belong to ourselves? It actually says there, we don't belong to ourselves. It says we are bought with a price, not silver or gold. It says, but the precious blood of Jesus. He shed his blood to purchase us. There's no greater sacrifice than giving your own life. And how do we treat someone who has given their life to save us? Not temporarily, but for all eternity. It should count for something. It says we are his building. We are his body. Amen? We are his field. So we don't belong to somebody. You don't belong to the pastor. Pastor doesn't own anybody. I hear people say that all the time. My people. I'm praying that they just mean the people that gather together, all the people belong to the Lord. We all belong to him. We're workers together. You have a work to do. I have a work to do. Miss Cynthia there has a work to do. Miss Nicole has a work to do. And we can't shirk our job because God is depending on us. So let's go to this one now. I thought they moved it. There's where I was trying to go long ago. So not only was there a promise, not only did Jesus declare all these things and did all these things with the body, but the prophets before spoke about it. And many of you are familiar with this scripture because we have quoted it many times in our church. 800 years before the day of Pentecost, when Joel spoke these words, it says it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit and all flesh. And there is more to it. It's two verses. I just don't want the slide to be crowded. But it says you're... Old men shall, uh, young men shall dream dreams, your old men visions, even on the maid servant. Nobody counted servants. Servants were property. And to think that God would send this message that even the servants, this is unheard of. Do you remember the three groups of people that I said first that received the spirit? The prophet, the priest, and the king. And now God made a promise. He's going to even on the maid servant, the male servant, the slave. What a God. Because this was his intention from the beginning. Out of all the people of the earth, he wants to create one family, one body. We are one through the blood of Jesus. Doesn't matter what's your social status. Doesn't matter what's your educational, financial status. God created one body. Doesn't matter what's your color, ethnicity. God created one body through the blood of Jesus Christ. Give him a hand for that. Hallelujah. He's the only person in the world who does that. Everybody else has some form of segregation and prejudice in all the groups, in all the groups. So Joel talk about that. I'm sorry. Then Zechariah 2.11, way back. Some of you don't even know where to find that. That's one of the minor prophets, almost at the end of the Old Testament. And he said this, many nations, that's us, will join themselves to the Lord on that day. Isn't that amazing? And we're doing that. And they too will be my people. So God made provision and prophesied back then. You know what? We take it so much for granted, we don't get it. He included way ahead of time that we would be a part of his special family. And then Isaiah also, one of the most revered prophets of the Old Testament, he said, so it shall be in that day. The great trumpet will be blown. They will come who are about to perish in the land of Assyria. And they were outcasts in the land of Egypt and shall worship the Lord 
in the holy mountain. All right, let's get to the nitty-gritty right now. So, what were the marks of the early church? What differentiated them? What made them so distinct that they could take the gospel that 2,000 years later, you and I are saved? We little people from our little tribe and nations, we get it. No internet, no cell phone, no telegraph, no airplane, no typewriter. What was so distinctive about them? And I want you to listen up because a lot of us are deceived by our culture. The culture is very pervasive and has crept subtly in the church. And the culture has grabbed many of us. And we're not following the scriptures. We're following the dictates of the culture. The culture is worldly. It is sin. God calls us to a different life. Jesus is a holy God. He's the head. We're the body. Therefore, we cannot be ruled by the culture because we are part of Jesus' body. So you can't have, uh, like he said, bitter and sweet, unholy and holy, because it's the same body. And he's not polluted and he's not sinful. We are his body, so we're called to be different. So, one of the first things is that we talked about the promise. Jesus told them, tarry. They did. Ten days after he left, the Holy Ghost descended, Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost. And 120 believers were gathered in the upper room. 120 gathered in one room up there for 10 days. And I often ask myself, why did they have to wait so long? But think of all the differences. Think of who wanted to be in charge. Think of who felt they had bigger claim to a bigger appointment. They had to come to a place of unity. And we need that in the church. That was one of Jesus' prayer before he left. I pray that you'll make them one, even as we are one. And so often we make the little stupid things divide us and we miss out on love we miss out on fellowship we're withdrawn by ourselves unfruitful unfruitful because we withdraw ourselves so we can't get the love and the caring and the encouragement of each other or be able to give it because we hold offenses we hold grudges and we don't do what Jesus said. So they were there 10 days and the Holy Spirit descended on all of them. And if you read it, it says the Spirit of God alighted on them like cloven tongues of fire. And they began to speak in other tongues. And what was amazing about it, most of the Jews speak Hebrew or Aramaic. Because it was Pentecost, people came from all over the world, Jews and people converted to Judaism to celebrate in Jerusalem. The people from these remote places, when it said they heard them speak their language, it meant their particular dialect. So it's not like they heard English the primary 
language. That was what was shocking. Nobody knew those dialects. But those people from there, and here are these unlearned fishermen, ordinary unschooled men in Jerusalem who were speaking in the dialect of those particular areas. Not Aramaic, a lot of people knew Aramaic. Not Greek, a lot of them knew Greek, it was common. Not Hebrew, but the specific language. Sister Juanita, whatever you call that thing in Nevis or St. Kitts, <laughs> I get beat up for that. And we don't know that in Jamaica, but all of a sudden I've never been there, never read of it, and I just start talking to you in that special way or in Trinidad, something I've never read. God, the Holy Spirit, did that to draw the people's attention. It is an amazing thing that happened. The other thing to realize, these guys were locked away, scared. They were scared to death when Jesus died. They were under lockdown, bolt up, lockdown, no light. Don't want them to know where we are, lest they come after us. Yet, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, what did they do? They came out. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. If we just accept Jesus and, yeah, we got baptized, we come and sit and we do nothing. We do not grow in our faith. We have no power to stand against the temptations of the devil. To help us to deal with the works of the flesh. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about rattling off, showing off on the floor in tongues. That's not it. That's just a sign. But it's that inner power that gives us the strength, the will to live righteously. To not just come Sunday after Sunday, we hear the message and we walk out just like nothing happened. The power of Jesus helps us to take that word and let it change our lives. And all of us will change. It is not a one-time event. I can't tell you over the years, I thought, God, by now I should be at some other place. And it's a daily thing. It's a daily going to the foot of the cross. Daily admitting, God, I've sinned again. My attitude is wrong. My words are too sharp. I don't have kindness in my tongue. God, change me. Folks, it's a practical thing. The head is looking for transformation. That's why he sent the tool of the Holy Spirit. And it's not a one-time thing. Oh, I got filled. Oh, yeah, hallelujah, I got filled. Ephesians says, keep being filled. It's like you have your cup. And you drink your tea or your coffee. You didn't stop. Some of us, lunchtime, we get another one. And in the evening, before we go to bed, we get another one. And the next day, we get another one. And if you're like me, you have a real big mug. And I always look in there and say, where's the rest of my tea? Anybody like that? I remember draining it. There's nothing like it. But I'm looking, what happened to my tea? Pastor, you touched my tea. I wasn't even sitting there. I didn't touch your mug. It's empty. We desire it so much. God wants us to yearn and to hunger and thirst for his righteousness, to hunger and thirst for the power of the Holy Ghost. That is the only thing that can help us. We cannot do it on our own, folks. We can't do it on our own. That's why our lives are powerless. That's why we have no effect. 
I want you to look at what happened to these people when they were filled. They started ministry. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 12, God has gifted every single one of us. Every single one of us. Sure, we're not all Sister Lauren. It would be absolutely boring as sweetly as she sings. Can you imagine all everybody does is to sing? So who's going to play the, 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 the keyboard? Who's going to knock the drum? Who's going to operate the technology booth? Who's going to direct the parking? Who's going to welcome you at the door? So God gives each one a gift. And then, where is body? So we come together and we use those gifts to edify or build up each other. So when I get an attitude and I stay home with my gift, there was somebody assigned that you should talk to that time, maybe encourage somebody, but you weren't there. Or you say, let's see what they're going to do without me. Well, it's, you forget. You're the body of Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not living word. It's not Cooper City Church of God. It's not whatever. It is Jesus. He paid a price and we're no longer our own. We belong to him. It's not my gift and my talent. He deposited in me so I could build up somebody. Somebody has something else to build me up. But if you stay away and think it's yours and it's not for the body, you mess up the body and you mess up yourself. Folks, it's time. It's nearer than you think. It is a lot nearer. So they did ministry. They didn't have a wrinkle-free assembly. The first day, 3,000 was saved. 3,000, one message. Trouble came in the camp because the devil is always trying. That's why Jesus gave us the word, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Let me hurry. They also had a mission. What was the mission? The same mission Jesus has given us. He said, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, it's called the Great Commission. It says, all authority and power is given unto me. Go ye there, go. 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 The people aren't going to come. Go to them. Go. You have a mission. Go. Make disciples of all men. Teaching them all that I have taught you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And then, verse 20, he says, another promise. You're not alone. I'll be with you always to the end of the world. Have we been doing the mission? Have we been doing the mission? It's not about the church clapping you if you bring somebody. It's for Jesus. Because the day is coming when he's going to ask each of us, what have you done? Since I saved you, what fruit do you have for me? He's not asking us about our sins because we repented of them and they're under the blood. What he asks us to do when we get saved, what have you done with your life since I gave you my life? What do you have to show? Who did you share with? Who did you try to pull along with you? Who did you encourage? Folks, it's very real. You know why we come together? So we can do this to encourage each other. It's to stir you up. That's what the scriptures say. Hebrews, Hebrews 10 verse 23. Stir you up. Stir you up unto good works. Because the day is coming when we stand before him. It's too late. We can't do anything then. Now. 
Now, 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 nothing is worth the sacrificing. Hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Nothing, no man, no woman, no money, no nothing, no career. Because all these are very temporal. When we stand before him, it's a forever and ever. We can't even conceive of it. It's forever. And there is no going back. Lord, okay, let me go back. Give me one more chance. It's too late. Too late. They also had a manner of living. When you read in Acts 2, 42 and verses 44 to 47, it said they gathered together daily. They shared the word. They prayed together. They shared what they had. And those who were rich helped the poor. They acted as if they don't own anything. They just put it in a common pool. We're not talking about communism here. They willingly shared with those who don't have. One of the most painful things for me is to conceive that somebody leaves here, goes home, has nothing to eat, and then many of us are wasting food. That hurts. But sometimes, because of pride, people will not speak. Sometimes we're insensitive to the Holy Spirit because he'll tell us, do this or give somebody this, but we're like, that must be my mind. No, it's not your mind. I'd rather make an error and look stupid. Just how I live. Than to miss an opportunity to be obedient to God. It is the most important thing in my life. And it didn't happen overnight. I started a long time asking him to make my heart sensitive. Even if I look stupid, I rather look stupid and please him because he sees my heart than to act proudly and miss an opportunity to be used of God. He's calling us to step out. It's time. It is time. They had all things in common. They were kind. They were loving. They were loving to one another. They were different. Some of them weren't even Jews. They were converts to Judaism. They came from different places. The, the Bible lists about 17 countries that they came from in Acts 2 for the Feast of Pentecost. They didn't go back home. So they had nothing. They only brought their bag. So somebody had to put them up. Somebody had to share. They were so excited about Jesus. They continued. They had the fruit of the Spirit. And something else that is very obvious, what the power of the Spirit gave was boldness. Remember I told you they were locked up, locked down, no light on? I remember one time I heard bullets flying so hard, and I lived uptown. I didn't live in the hoods. You turn off the lights, you go under the bed. And this is 40 years ago. Very much uptown in the burbs. You don't stay on your bed. You don't dial the phone. It was the one that goes, chilling, chilling. Anybody knows those? You don't know how close the guys, they were ripping out our, our, our windshield, whatever, in our car. And there's nothing you could do but stay on the floor and stay quiet. They were under lockdown. No lights. The doors bolted, the scripture said. They were so petrified. But when the power of the Spirit of God come on them, they went out there. And Peter seized every opportunity to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about the message. What is the message? Because the people mocked. Some were amazed. But some mocked. And they said, these guys are drunk. They're drunk. Do you see them? All drunks. But Peter says, not so. 
not so. It's too early in the morning. I'm wrapping up. I'm not there yet. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, the preachers say all the time, I'm just about closing. No, I'm not just about closing. I have a little bit more, but I won't be long. There's a thing called entropy. I learned that way back in our science class. And what entropy talks about is that everything gradually goes into disorder, disrepair. If you notice, if you have your house, even though you do everything, unless you constantly repair it, you see a rotten board, the paint chip off. Have you ever, ladies, ladies, this is, this is for the ladies. Have you ever had some shoes that you never wore for years and when you take it out, it's falling? It looks new on the outside and you try putting your foot in it, it's rotted. Entropy, everything naturally goes into disrepair. God made it that way. Because in the end, this earth that we prize so much will be burnt up and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. So everything naturally, that's part of the curse that happened. We talk about what anemia is. You're, you, you lack spirit, spiritually. In the physical, you lack color. You're weak. You can't take stress or exertion because you don't have enough oxygen going there. That's what the blood does. It takes oxygen to the vital organs. When you're anemic, you don't have enough red blood cells or they're not being saturated enough. So you're weak, even though you're young. You want to do good, but you can't. I remember when I tried to give blood the first time. They took my blood pressure, and they look at me, and the lady say, ma'am, go eat some food. <laughs> Help! But I was anemic, and I didn't know. So even though I went freely to give blood to help, I couldn't help. So we want to do it, but without the power of the Holy Ghost, we can't, folks. Our intellect is not enough. Our education is not enough. The world has that, and some have a lot more than we do. The advantage we have is the resident power of the Holy Ghost. It's raw dynamite. It gives wisdom. It gives boldness. It pours gifts on you. I wish I knew about this when I was growing up. I would have had all the scholarships in the world. Because he makes you smart. The scriptures said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Nobody taught us those as a nice little ecumenical church girl. Nobody prayed for you except a confirmation. No hard feeling. It's just the truth. So some are anemic. And you have to check yourself. You know yourself. You know how you're living. Some have turned, but you're faking it. I'm not here judging anyone. I'm just telling you the truth as the Spirit of God is given. You know yourself. You have to examine yourself. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 5 says. It says, examine yourself. See if you're still in the way. Because we can fool some of the people some of the time. We can't fool all the people. And we're certainly not fooling God at any time. Very important. What do we need to do to correct where we are? And when I say we, I'm talking about the church, not just you, me, or even our church. And it says five steps. Don't worry. Just write the scriptures down. I'm not going to go in deep. The first thing that Peter said to them when he shared about Jesus, because their message was all about Jesus, they weren't taking the newspaper or what was on Twitter and, and talk about it. No, the message was about Christ. And that's what the church is supposed to be. The church is not an entertainment center. 
the church is supposed to talk about Jesus Christ and his power to change lives. So some people come for entertainment. Oh, church wasn't good today. Hello. Hello. Did you prepare before you come? What did you do Saturday night? Did you pray, read the scriptures, ask God to prepare your heart? Or were you up till how much o'clock watching your favorite bad movie? I'm just saying, you know. I don't know who you are. Jesus knows. I'm just speaking as he tells me. So the first thing when they heard the message, because the message was about Jesus, that he's the Messiah that was killed. They asked, what should we do? He says, repent. Repent. We have to repent. When you leave here today, even before you leave, I hope each of us will take time, examine our hearts. And if we find stuff, that are out of the way, repent. Repent means to make a right about turn to go to the right direction. It's like you're traveling, you have your GPS, your GPS tell you go straight and you make a turn. What does it say? Make legal U-turn. Make legal U-turn. Make legal U-turn. And it nags you until it recalibrates itself or you make that legal U-turn. That's what repentance is all about. Make a legal U-turn towards the right direction, towards God. We need to restore Christ-centered messages in the churches. So that's not so much you. If you teach Sunday school, make sure you're teaching the children the word. It's only the word of God that's life-changing. Stories don't do. They may help us to connect. But it is the word of God that is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God. The word, not a newspaper, not Twitter, not Facebook. The word of God. It is living and powerful. That's why even our homes... Every day, we need to take time. Spend some time on the word. That's what God wants us to do. That's what the people did daily. They stayed in the word. We need to refill. I talked about it from the source of power. Who is the source of power again? The Holy Ghost. You don't have to be in church to be filled. When you go home, you take time before God. You wait in his presence. He will refill you right there. We need to be refilled, recharged. And then... We need to return to Acts 2.41. I love Acts 2.41 because Acts 2.41 said, daily they spend time together, sharing, praying, reading the word, sharing what they had. So I have patty, you have jerk chicken, you have stew peas, no, you have mac and cheese. And we share it. So I get a little of yours, you get a little of mine, and we're all happy together. That's what they did. And the last thing, we want to revive witnessing. We're not saved to be silent. We're saved so that we can be witnesses of Jesus. That's what they did. I am cutting off, not even telling you about the hell they suffered. They flogged them, not with little whips and straps, with metal prongs. And the guys just smiled and said, I'm so happy to be suffering for Jesus. The same guys who were hiding before they received the Holy Ghost. Folks, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit every day. Ask him to come. Ask him. Desire him. Seek him. He said if we seek him with all our heart, we will find him. I'm done. I just invite you and those who are watching us by the World Wide Web. To take a moment, go on the pause button. Don't be distracted. Just pause and reflect for a moment. 
Ask the Holy Spirit because he lives in us. God, speak to my heart clearly what I need to do, what I need to get. Give me the strength. Give me the will. The will to do the right thing. Because often we know what's the right thing. But we keep putting it off because we think it's too hard. No, it's worse to get in a rut because we're the body of Jesus. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Your love is greater than life. So often we trample your love underfoot because we, we fail to understand what it cost you and how you value us. You love us with an everlasting love. I pray, Father, that your word will connect with every heart. You know exactly what each one of us needs to do. I ask, Spirit of Jesus, that you'd work upon our heart. Let none of us leave the way we came. Let none of us continue to live the way we are. But each of us can grow deeper. Each of us need to be refilled. Each of us need to activate witnessing. Give boldness, Lord, that we may share your love, your great salvation with those who are lost. May we not be intimidated by the culture. May we not be intimidated, but we, may we remember always he's the head, we're his body, and what flows from his head flows to us. So, Father, remember the one that's here today who has never said yes to Jesus. The one that you've been tugging at the heart who has been resistant. Put into off another time, another day. Today, may you captivate that heart so filled with your love and your tenderness that they may know that it's the best decision to make. Father, I ask that those who are watching us by the world wide web that you would meet every need. That you would strengthen, you would encourage, you would deliver, you would set free. We ask you to bless each family represented here. Bless each home represented. We pray your peace. Peace, the peace of God love of God, the power of God in every home. May our neighbors see Jesus in us. Thank you for hearing our prayer today. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. I have my kites. We're dismissed. I'm going to pronounce the benediction, but if you wish to get some more prayers or whatever, I'll be right here. I'm not going to delay everyone if you want to. And I really want to challenge you to go forth and share what Jesus is doing in your life. And if you, you don't think he's doing anything, ask him to do something. If you're here for the very first time, um, we'd like to invite you to our hospitality suite. They're not going to keep you longer than you need to. They just have nice refreshments for you that the rest of us don't get. So enjoy it because it's only the, when you come the first time or if you bring visitors with you, you get to go with them. So those who invite the first time guests may go with them and share and be blessed. And if you don't have a church home, we invite you to come back again. Be blessed, be part, and let's work together for Jesus. So let's say the benediction. Would you stand, please? Amen.
want to remind you third Friday prayer is coming up most of you have been missing Jesus does show up we don't take attendance but he does he'd love to see you and hear you come on out even if you can't stay the whole time if you're off on Tuesday come and experience the power of God at Tuesday morning fasting and prayer 10 to 12 that will draw us near to him the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace and we declare together surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever amen go in peace and greet somebody in Jesus name Amen. Remember the Sunday Bible classes we have for all ages. So if you're able to stay, please get to one of those. Thank you.